Hello, it's Carson Stulit. This is Fangraphs Audio. Guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly Friday appearance on a Monday. This is weekly Friday appearance on a Monday. Lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com, Kyla McDaniel. Last week, McDaniel published uh, three posts of note. One was a new edition of the uh, 2015 Major League Amateur Draft post, uh, building off of one he produced last September. That was the way-too-early edition. This is the April edition. It published two other posts of note, also relating to the acquisition of new talent uh, by teams this summer. In this case, this was a pair of posts dedicated to the international market. Of course, teams will be signing international players starting on July 2nd. Those two posts uh, concern the international players. The international players tend to be tied with teams. That's a, that's a notable thing. We discussed that. We also discussed a number of the players on the new edition of the uh, draft rankings post. And also uh, some college players who are absent from it and yet have performed in their respective conferences. There is, of course, much more than that. However, I uh, won't make an account of it here uh, because that would be laborious and also unnecessary. Let's get to that conversation with Kyle McDaniel. Uh, before we do, as he does for each of his appearances on Fangraphs Radio, Kyle McDaniel has supplied a brief musical interlude. So what you hear is the end of this introduction, a brief musical interlude, and then Kyle McDaniel in conversation about prospects. Thank you. Random pop-up guy no one's ever heard of. I'm trying to track down. Hmm. Where is he? Uh, prep or collegiate? Prep, and he is so obscure. I just talked to a national cross-checker that said, "I think I might have heard about him." Let me check. <laughs> oh. But if, but then he got back to me and he was like, uh, "Yeah, no, I have heard about him. Our other national guy heard about him last week. We haven't seen him. We don't know anything about him, but we're about to go see him." <laughs> Oh, okay. What That's a, pretty much the bleeding edge of pop-up guy. What, uh, are we talking urban or rural or suburban? Uh, I guess it would be rural. Mostly rural? Uh, yeah, rural part of the country, but in a city. A rural part of the country, in a city. Yes. That is, that does, so he's, <laughs> he lives in a city. Yeah, in a city you've heard of, but in a very rural part of the country that isn't scattered very much. Remote, maybe, would be the better word. Remote, okay. Are you? Are we gonna, how many? How many details do you feel comfortable sharing? <laughs> well, uh, what I was gonna say is on probably today I'm gonna update a couple things on the draft list because yeah. I think some people are gonna see it for the first time on Monday, and this will be one of the guys that I'll probably just list in the other section until I figure out a little more about him. But I was gonna slightly edit Carson Fulmer's thing and I think maybe move a couple guys around a spot or two just based on new info. I figure within a couple of days you're allowed to do it, especially when you release it on a Friday afternoon so people might not have seen it. By Monday it can still be up to date. Oh, oh, okay. All right, so you're going to add to the April the April post, the April edition of the of the 2015 draft post. Yes, because okay. like I said, since it's you know sort of a Monday thing, I figure I can update it on Monday. I think that's fair. I mean... I wouldn't do anything like that. <laughs> you would never be so brazen as to yeah. change the truth. Yeah, but I, but, uh, well, you were telling me you've been going back to some of your early posts, uh, without telling anyone and you've been changing the, the order of the rankings there. 
Uh, no, I haven't changed the order of the rankings. I, I will uh, soon. I haven't done it yet, though. Kyle, I'm, I'm lying. I'm, I'm lying. That's like what that uh, NBA guy oh, did. Oh, Chad Ford, yeah. yeah. No, I'm going to go back and edit all 30 lists, and like just with the guys that have been traded and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I am doing something like that, but it will be public. It will be public. The uh, Some guys fall through the cracks, right? I thought I saw a name that had fallen through the cracks on our internal message board. Who's that? Uh, maybe he was a Reds guy. I don't know. It was someone – because there was a trade in between when you did the two lists, essentially. Oh, I've been keeping track of a lot of those guys. He may not have appeared, but he may be on my personal lists. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying you lost him. I'm just saying it's just – it's that's the sort of guy who may not show up in an organizational list. Yeah, there have been some guys where they'll be, like, claimed on waivers uh, by a team that I've already done the list from a team I haven't done the list for, and then I'll save the MLB trade rumors, like, transaction story, and then I'll go back to it, and every week or so I'll take, like, the ten guys that have moved around or, or might be a guy or whatever and, like, move them around on my spreadsheet. I remember Daniel Robertson was one of those that got traded in the Zobras deal. I hadn't done Oakland yet, and I'd already done Tampa. And then I ended up writing his report for the top 200 because he was high enough. But there's a bunch of guys like that, like maybe 20 or 30 that weren't high enough to be on the top 200 that I have a similar amount of info for. It just hasn't appeared anywhere yet, which is one of the reasons I was going to go by. And, like, if I'm going to edit a list and put those guys on, I might as well go through and edit everything with, you know, all of the new information up until, you know, now or whatever. Right. Hey, is there a tapping? Is there a tapping or a bumping that is occurring? Like that? Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah, that's my foot. All right. Would you like for me to stop doing that? Uh, yeah, it's just let's just because it's not great for audio quality. Okay. Have we started recording yet? Yeah, Is we this, have. Yeah. We're into the good stuff. Yeah. Right, you, I'll, I'll take off you, my jacket now. Are you trying to make it weird? Is that what this? Is? Are we recording? When do you start recording? Wait, wait, oh, oh, the show's so interesting. Yeah. How did you man? It's right from the right at the top of the dome. This is really, this is really how the sausage is made, huh? <laughs> I don't think I want to see how most sausage is made. Yeah, I don't. It's so. Here's one. My uh, my aunt works in insurance, and uh, she'll have to go, you know, see like insurance claims and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I think something got hit by like a tornado, and she was like walking oh. through like part of it that was still like functioning, and she was like walking through and like looking at everything, and then the guy looks at her and goes, "Do you know what we make?" And she's like, "I mean, judging from what I'm seeing here, it looks like rat poison or something, just from all like the you know the signs and stuff. Like it seemed to be indicating that's what it is." He goes, "Oh no, we make NutraSweet." <laughs> oh no. Yeah, she told us that story when I was like seven or eight, and I was like, "Yep, never reading that." <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. I actually was reading some. Uh, a reader suggested that I read "Thinking Fast and Slow" by yeah, Daniel Kahneman. I've got the book, and I've read about thirty pages. <laughs> well, yeah, we're about the same then. Yeah. Um, but uh, you was discussing how. Uh, so, if a person's giving a, a difficult task, do like to um, to watch to watch an image. But avoid a like a message that is going across the bottom. There's a, like the, the the you know the um, person conducting the experiment would be like, don't read the message that's going across the middle. And so this requires a great deal of uh, concentration, a great deal of effort. <clears throat> so once a person's done that, uh, if you ask them to do it again a little bit later, they do a worse job, right? Because they're just they're fatigued. But if you give someone, so what they they made an experiment though, because apparently your brain burns a lot of glucose. Your body burns a lot of glucose when you're trying to do that sort of thinking. And when uh, they gave they gave so they gave all of the the exper- uh, all the people involved in the experiment, they gave half of them lemonade with regular sugar, which has glucose in it, and they gave half the people lemonade with uh, Splenda, which is an artificial sweetener. And uh, the people who were given the lemonade with real sugar, they did a better job than the people with Splenda. So that's the story about sugar. 
There it is. Wait, so what was the what was the moral of that? I, I think I missed like the middle section. Yeah, wait, it's a good point. Where, where did we where did we begin? Oh, you were talking about sweeteners, NutraSweet, artificial yeah. sweeteners. Or it might have been sweet and low. Yeah, sweet and low, the more well known. I feel like NutraSweet kind of came and went. Yeah, sweet. And then there was uh, what was the Lestra? Was that like fake fat? Or something? Yeah, that was the one that uh, apparently had uh, anal leakage problems. That was the exact that word. It. That was the exact yeah. phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a daunting phrase. Not not quite as bad as Kazmatsui's anal fissures, but I think in the same family. Oh yeah, yeah. The fissures are bad too. The fissures that's, that's one of the worst you've heard. Now how did he get that? Was that baseball related or did that just happen? I think it just happens. I feel like it's like kidney stones. It just like happens. That's no good. Well then, and then I feel I feel like that's the like the, the Jerry the medical version of the Jerry Seinfeld thing about if there's one part in the wardrobe where I don't want sharp interlocking metal teeth, it's right there. <laughs> it's like, if there's a place I don't want fissures, it's in my beehole. There was also there's also testicular torsion. <laughs> yeah. That's has that's happened to some guys, right? I I would imagine it has to have. And uh and then there was also, uh, and then there was what a a burst testicle. Didn't Jason Castro have that or something? I don't think we're going to get any sponsors with this sort of talk up top. Uh, I bet uh, uh, protective cup. Yeah, protective cup. A, so I hold on. I found a I found a list of the ten greatest baseball injuries of all time. Yeah. Uh, n- number one is a testicular fracture to Chris Snyder. Oh, Chris number Snyder. Two, I knew it was an Astros. Yeah. Number two is Casimir's anal fissure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we, so we pretty much nailed all the good ones. Need, we didn't need that BuzzFeed post. <laughs> we, there was no, – this is just like some random like GeoCity site. No, it's a uh, BuzzFeed post. Okay. There also is a sort of famous one that John Smoltz, when he was a rookie, missed a start because he burned himself trying to iron a shirt while he was wearing it. Wait, who did – say who tried to iron the shirt? John Smoltz. Mm. That's a – that's like, I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds accurate. You say he was young when that happened? Testicular torsion of Felix P.A., Oh yeah, that's right. He had a who has sat in my car before. Is that right? When I worked for Baltimore, I had to drive him to his uh, his re- rehab assignment in Frederick because it was only like an hour from the big stadium. You and know I, what? Uh, it's too bad that I'm all trip. out of medals, Kylie, because you deserve <laughs> yeah. one. So I've had clear. Felix Pa in my car. <laughs> he had three cell phones, which really surprised me. But it sounds like it's definitely more than the number of testicles he still had. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing I was told before I got in the car by one of the guys in the big league staff was, yeah. you should know Felix Pa is fluent in zero languages. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. Which was, as far as I can tell, is accurate. It's like the uh, – that's a Stephen Wright joke. Uh, I'm uh, – I'm a bilingual illiterate. I can't read or write in two languages. Yeah. Yeah. So he was. Well, we don't know if he was illiterate, but he was. Uh, he did not. He he did not have the faculty of speech in two languages. And I actually knew his agent at the time, and I relayed some of this to him, and he was like, "Yeah, that sounds about like Felix to me." Oh man. Wow. Okay. Well. 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 Uh, let's. Big uh, intro to the show this week. So, so you, you there are a couple of things for us to consider, and one of the well, first of all. Chris Bryant was promoted. Do you have anything to say about that? Does that interest you at all? Uh, I feel like everything that's been said can be has been okay, said. Okay, that's, that's what I assumed. I was just wondering. Um, uh, Particularly in my scouting report of him from like six months ago. You you produced uh, two different kinds of posts, I think, just in the last week since we last spoke. One three is, days in a row, those three posts. Right. Up. So one of them is a big draft rankings post, which is great. Uh, and the other two, uh, which are, are probably great. Um, are the international <laughs> signing market posts? There's it's two parts. I will say, and let's let's get to that secondly. But uh, we can have a brief conversation about it here. Uh, I feel 
so it, it's a difficult thing, like ha- knowing how to organize that. Does that make sense? So for me, when I see the draft rankings, especially because a lot of them are collegiates and it's in an order, and but then with the with the guys who are with the guys who are um, international signings, there's just they're so distant. Does that make sense? Like emotionally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, they had uh, their mothers love them too much, and their fathers not enough. And that's I a, feel like Starling Haradia just won't tell me how he feels about me. <laughs> the but but so the, you know a lot of the guys on the um, in your draft rankings post, you know it's at least half college guys, and they're they one could watch most of those players uh, on um, ESPN, SEC, SEC Network, whatever you know, the various uh, college networks. Uh, it's it's harder to see high school guys. You can maybe see video. I, I know Steve Fiorindo. I don't know what your relationship is with Steve. That guy produces more video uh, than anyone. I follow Steve on on Twitter, and he has a he gets them all. All of them. Yeah, he does it all. Not unlike they are his Pokemon. Is really what it is. <laughs> high school prospects are Steve Fiorindo's Pokemon, and and he does it in cool uh, slow motion stuff. But but it's 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 very difficult to. Uh, I mean, you you have uh, you do actually you know you have links to video for a lot of the the Dominican guys, but it's just their names. Every like when I all the names that I come across on those list, it's the first time I've ever seen that name before. And maybe that's maybe that's my fault. Which is why I include the video because I feel like if you're given 20 guys with two sentence scouting reports each, even if it's kind of you know quick. If you don't have a visual, like it's very, or if I don't paint you a picture in those two sentences or tell you something very particular, like Vicente Lupo of the Mets system can rip a pineapple in half with just his bare hands, like if I don't tell you that, you're gonna forget everything. You'll remember maybe one player. Right, and I think the other. So thing I feel is, like the, the video is like necessary. And and I think another thing about the international signing posts is, if I'm a fan of a team, and this is one great service you provide, is you discuss the the rumored connections between the organizations and the players. So if I'm a Nationals fan, I'm like I'm I know a lot more about Juan Soto at this point, or I want to know a lot more about Juan Soto at this point than I do most of the other guys in the list. Um, yes. So there's a there's that huge connection with the organizations, whereas on the draft ranking side, and this is kind of the nature of the draft, right? Is maybe your team will draft that guy, uh, but they might have other ideas. They don't, you know. I mean, there's probably zero teams, right, that have the same exact board that you do in terms of the draft rankings? Yeah, there's zero teams, yeah. Right. Um, I should also say that in my experience over at uh, ESPN, uh, and this has happened at other places I've written also, uh, they'll say uh, post-draft stuff or the draft rankings that you can then look at the day after the draft to see if your team, you know, got the right guy and you can kind of, you know, play handicap or whatever, get, like, crazy enormous numbers but the thing written about just a, like Carson Fulmer's scouting report three months before the draft gets like no numbers because it's like the people that like the draft are going to read that, but they also probably know who he is already. And the people that are like a Nats fan, like they can't, they don't want to read every single report to get to the end to be like, oh, he might be an option for us. Like if it's nationals are super interested in Fulmer, here's a report, it'll get tons of traffic. And if you don't say that, it won't. Uh, so that's why I felt like 
there's a way to do the international thing and just say like, oh, this team's interested. It's one of three teams, and like people don't do it. If it's like, if they're probably very likely going to sign him, and it's probably going to be for this much money, and this is how much money they have to spend. Here's some unsigned guys. You can go, you know, play GM and go pick the guys you want to sign and watch their video and read their report. Right. Like people really respond to that, and right. luckily the market's been lining up such that you know months and months in advance you can get these guys lined up pretty well. Obviously, they're not all going to sign for exactly that number and exactly that team, but at this juncture, that's what everyone believes will happen. They just don't know which one are going to fall apart. Right. And I mean, it also with, with regard to teams and, and players, the Nationals can be as interested as they want in Carson Fulmer. <laughs> it likely won't matter. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I also said in the draft thing, like the Red Sox were tied to Bregman, the shortstop at LSU, and they were also tied to Swanson and Tate, who no one thought would get to seven, but they were tied to him, who I think in September I put like 14th or 15th or something. And when all the pitchers were healthy and performing, he was still seen as, you know, maybe 8 or 10, but probably a little bit lower. And then he he suddenly had his big year at the plate that he didn't have uh, last year. And then all these pitchers got hurt, and then guys were performing. And all of a sudden, now I've got him fourth on my list. And that's kind of the consensus where he is in the whole industry is at, le- at the lowest fifth or sixth. And the Red Sox pick seventh. And now most people think he's not going to get there because if, if the industry has this guy fourth or fifth or sixth, He's a you know college up the middle hitter. Those guys get drafted at least where they're ranked, if not higher. Um, so now they all three of those guys aren't going to get there. And I think, as I said in the article, that's why I think they were seen to Fulmer because he is their kind of guy. They drafted him out of high school. They almost gave him a million dollars when he has terrible delivery, and now he's got a good delivery and the same kind of stuff. And uh, he he kind of fits right in that range where he almost certainly will get to seven, but I think he'll be gone by ten or eleven. Okay. So that he kind of fits. Let me uh, let's see what's good. Oh yeah, with regard to your methodology for this. Uh-oh. Uh no, no, this is not. I'm not trying. To, this is not gotcha programming. <laughs> oh, I was hoping we get a gotcha question. Um, the uh, what do you what do you consider it? The sort of responsibilities is it or is it a hybrid of the two things? I'm going to say. Are you attempting to essentially produce a a board that is the average of all 30 team boards, or is it? This is exact. This is how Kylie McDaniel thinks organizations be damned. <laughs> organizations be shopping. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what they do. I mean, they. I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I guess. Yeah. They need to. Well, they need to do a lot of shopping for different purposes. Uh, yeah. I've gone back and forth on this. So uh, when I was doing it at Scout, I was seeing basically every player in the Southeast during the spring. I was just going to a game every single day, and I was seeing like fourth and fifth round picks three and four times. And so it was like, at that point, my opinion was just as valid as any scouts. If if you think that me and a scout have a similar ability to evaluate players, yeah. I had basically all the information they had aside from like the in-home visit with the player. I was seeing them just as much as they were. And But the, the problem was I wasn't seeing the guys in California at all because I was just going in circles around in the southeast. Uh, so like I really knew where those guys slotted amongst themselves, but I didn't know the rest of the country. And so I had trouble where I would be going 100%, almost 100% of my opinion on some guys, and then almost 0% of my opinion on other guys, and kind of ran into some problems. And then last year, for Scout, I'm more focused on a more national basis. I went the whole showcase season, so I saw everybody at least once. And, you know, obviously you get more connections every year, some more information. And I did a little more of a, all right, Kyle Schwarber, I've seen him a lot. I like him. I'm going to put him a little higher than people say he should be. And then these other ten guys, I don't have a strong feeling, but everyone says they're going to go here, and I haven't seen him enough to diverge from that opinion. So I'll put him where I think he's going to go just because I don't know enough to tell the industry they're wrong, whereas other guys I think I did. Um, like Forrest Wall was that guy last year, and I think that's gone decently so well. 
or yeah, so far. Um, there have been some other guys like that too. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, I was the high guy on him last year. I was the low guy on Rodon, and then Hoffman got hurt, and then all of a sudden I was where everybody else had him. Like you kind of get it back and forth. And then for this year's list, I've now I think of the like 126 guys I listed, I've seen like 110 of them. Like I've seen almost all of them once at least. Um, and in most cases, I'll have a couple years history because a lot of these high school kids you'll see as a junior and be like, oh okay, he's. He's a guy I'll need to watch. Let me watch in a bat or two at this tournament and pay attention because there's not, you know, a this year senior guy to watch. Um, so I've got enough history and enough connections that I can, like, I know what Carson Sands looks like. I've seen him for three straight years. He's, uh, or sorry, Cole Sands. Carson Sands' older brother, uh, who went to the Cubs last year for about a million dollars. Little brother Cole Sands, same high school. Uh, saw him at showcases and playing for that high school for a couple years. I know what that looks like. I know what it looked like up until last summer. I haven't seen him this spring. But I can talk to Scott and be like, does he look about the same as the spring? Yeah, okay, I don't need to see him. I, I know where that fits compared to all these other guys that maybe I've only seen this spring. Um, so I guess it's a long way of saying I'd like for it to be 100% only my opinion, but it's not like I've seen every player in the country three times this spring, so I can't do that. Uh, so I'll go with the industry where I don't have a strong opinion, uh, and then where I do, uh, and I think I have enough information to disagree with the industry because I've, you know, seen enough and heard enough and all that, then I'll disagree with them. So it's a little bit of both. I think Fulmer's a guy that I'm higher on than, than most people, but I think he's gonna, I think I have him six now, I think he's gonna go in the top eight. So I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm gonna end up being that high, but some people are just gonna do the, the thing I've talked about where they see a shortstop not look like Rare Donios and be like, oh, he's not a shortstop, which is what they do with Bregman. Or look at a guy with a little bit of effort in his delivery like Fulmer and be like, oh, he's not a starter, you know, he should go 20th like they do with Fulmer, and I think they're both gonna go high. Uh, I think those sort of things melt away when you see a guy performing and, you know, making the most of his skills. Yeah, certainly the, uh, with regard to Fulmer and his capacity to start versus relieve, that's generally, yeah, I mean, even on the, uh, in the Fangraphs comment section, you know, I posted, I think the, cause he had... Wait, you're the one posting in the comments calling me stupid? No, no, I, I, I mean, in, does this count as a comment section? Right now, this why. conversation? Because, okay, uh, yeah, but the... Guilty's charged. The, no, he had, uh, his second to last start. I actually don't know what he did this weekend, but, uh, his second to last start, he had, what, 14 strikeouts against zero walks, nine innings, too many yeah. pitches, probably. If you're the team drafting him, never um, been sore in his life. Is that? I mean, is that true? I mean, he's never been hurt, and I've yeah. never heard of any like missing his start with soreness. And he's never thrown, you know, not as hard as he's been throwing. So that's the thing, it, though. He kept you can extrapolate I mean, he, that out to soreness. I mean, kept, yeah, I guess he, it's normal soreness. He kept that velocity the whole game, and you know, he the last guy he struck out in three pitches, 94 uh, called strike, 94 foul ball, and then 84 backdoor breaking ball. And it looked, I mean, it looked sharp, you know. And so, but you know, the comments were, "Oh, this guy is going to have Tommy John immediately." Of course, if you take any, if you take that. any pitcher, you could be like, "Well, he's going to have Tommy John really soon." And you know, you have like what, uh, like a thirty percent chance of being right. Yeah. So no, I, it kills me on like all tweet like, "Oh, high school juniors hit ninety five uh, from the left side." Like, sounds like a pretty good prospect. And I'll get, like, of the ten comments I get that are, like, responses on Twitter, like, four of them will be like, oh, he's getting Tommy John tomorrow. And I'm like, does that make you happy to be, like, the like the wet blanket on everyone's, like, oh, this guy's pretty good. I'll note him. Or, like, oh, good for that guy. Or, oh, I've seen him before. He's better now. Yeah. You should or be like, oh, he's going to get injured. This is what's wrong with baseball. All these guys throw too hard. Lefty lefty hitting 81. Oh, he's going to be uh, uh, he's gonna work at Allstate tomorrow. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a certain, there's a certain range. If you're like 87 to 90 and you're like close to 22, it's like, okay, that's an inoffensive velocity. Thanks, man. <laughs> that's the, that's the zone. That's the zone right there. Anything below it, chances of making the major leagues difficult. Anything above it, Tommy John tomorrow. No, not difficult to make the big leagues. He should be bagging groceries and cooking over on the fries, man. <laughs> Yeah, why do they? Why is the why is the implication that he's always going to get like like a def, like a teenager's job or definite blue collar yeah. job? Yeah, he could he couldn't be selling like business to business, uh, you know, computer parts. It has to be <laughs> yeah, right, know, something really specific, <laughs> something embarrassing, like being a sandwich artist. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, that's that's funny. That's I guess that's how it works. There's there's for 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 ball players to throw eighty four. There's only one profession that they can have. Well, and with the Kurt Warner thing in football, it's not bagging groceries. It's like a like when you go to because like oh well, a Hall of Fame quarterback was bagging groceries at like twenty six. So I guess was he bagging groceries? Yeah, he was in the arena league and then his downtime or off season or whatever was bagging groceries. You know, they're gonna be there's there's gonna be such a number of those stories that soon people will really regard bagging groceries as a stepping stone. <laughs> we know there's a, a, a tenth of a percent chance you're going to be a Cy Young winner in Young Johnny <laughs> bagging groceries. Yeah, yeah, that's right. People well, from Disney was... development are going to be walking around like, hey, can you throw hard like at all? Like if you've been in the 80s once in your life. <laughs> was it, What was Evan Gaddis doing before he uh, re-entered baseball? Don't know. Don't know, yeah. It was something, though. It was, yeah, it was something, it was something tough and blue-collar. He's got a blue-collar kind of swing. He does, yeah. He actually, yeah, the, I was thinking about that today because I was watching, I think I, I watched like a high school game recently. And you see, I would say, if you watch high school baseball, you see a greater variety of everything. There's definitely a variety of talents and there is a variety of uh, mechanics as well. All right, here we go. Uh, Gaddis worked odd jobs as a cart boy at a golf course. Okay. A ski lift operator. Oh, and a janitor. He still uses his janitor ID as his Twitter avatar. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. He's, um, he sounds like he was like, he found some real good dude jobs. Well, yeah. And another one was when I worked for the Yankees, uh, we, we found out later Phil Coke was doing custodial work at the hotel. The same, what? The same hotel where the team The stayed? hotel where, no, the hotel where the coaches for like the extended spring training would stay when they're in for a couple months. Mm-hmm. It was there, and one of the coaches knew about it and told me, and I kept it to myself because it would be, like, in violation of his contract. And then when he had his crazy breakout for the Tigers against the Yankees in the playoffs, yeah. I passed that on to Jonah Carey, and he called them and got him to comment on it and wrote a story about it for Grant. He wrote he was a janitor or custodian. Yeah, and he told me about other jobs, too. Like, I think he was, like, a chimney sweep or something, too. Like, he was very forthcoming. I Well, I could always tell from his Cockney accent that that might be a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> when he breaks out into song, he has like a choreographed dance, and other guys appear. Yeah, his sooty face. <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's see. Lost the string a little bit. Let's talk. Uh, let no, me I ask think we're all. I think we're always going toward Phil Coke being a chimney sweep. The, the let's let me ask you about number eleven on your list, uh, Tyler J. <clears throat> yeah. I only saw this year. I only saw Tyler J's first appearance of the season. I believe he pitched Illinois' first game of the season. And he was very excellent against, uh, I forget what team. But he was really good. I believe it's possible that I uh, rendered uh, some of that video footage into GIF form and posted it. You did. It was a changeup. Yeah, it was a nice, nice changeup. Uh, at least the 60, yeah. Yeah, and you say, well, look at 
Um, he is a left-hander who can throw hard, throws hard in short stints, but not soft in longer stints. Um, I mean, well, he hasn't really had longer stints before. Right. Uh, but he was good, and he threw. I think he threw reasonably hard throughout that appearance. And I, I, and then I was running some numbers for the Big Ten the other day, and I said, uh, I, I wrote, I actually had under best starter um, in the in the Big Ten, Tyler J. And then I regarded his numbers more closely, and I realized that the start that I saw was in fact the only start he's made all season. Yeah, he's made one start in his uh, college career at the very least, and maybe his whole life. I'm not positive. Maybe started in college, or high school. So do we know? So a couple things. Uh, do we know why he hasn't started previously, or, or I mean, except for that, you know, I mean, in recent memory, except for that one time, at the beginning of the season? Um, I guess I don't know specifically, but usually it's banged up, too small, too good in relief, you know, at the whims of the coach and things like that. I just, you know, from what I know, it's that sort of thing. Right, and then a, a, a stranger thing is why would they have him start the first game? And pitch, I don't know, maybe pitch five, six innings. And then uh, not work in that same capacity at all during the rest of the season because it's not like it went downhill. I, I don't know if he experienced soreness or anything. I, I didn't follow it up. Yeah, that, I don't know that either. Yeah, I know I know, when I, I know when I asked the scout, like, oh, he's never started a game in his life. He's like, no, he started one game earlier this year, and that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. So, okay, he started one game. He's right. like, yeah, that's about it. So, so you have him 11th on your list, though. So my guess is... He started about 35 about a week before this went up, and he went up after just about every person I talked to. Really? Yeah. People like this guy. People like Tyler J., but I have to assume that's because they think they think he can start. Well, so here's the thing I talked about with a couple scouts, and they all kind of laughed when I said this because I think they knew it was true but didn't necessarily realize it. Uh, if he started four games this year and was you know couldn't hold his velocity or whatever – then he would be lower. But the fact that he hasn't really started a game before where he's been heavily scouted, people have been able to watch him, everyone assumes that they can teach him to, to start. Like there's a mystery, and when there's a lack of information, you fill in with what you want, and this guy is a lefty with three-plus pitches, and you're like, all right, yeah, we can figure this out. It can't be that bad. Like he's that he's that arm talented. Why can't he you know, hold it for six innings? So it's, um, it's either it's, – so there might be uh, some hubris to it, you think. Yeah, like I remember uh, when the Mets traded Scott Casimir to the Rays for Victor Zambrano, Rick Peterson said he could fix Victor Zambrano in five minutes, and I think he was out of baseball in like four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he, he didn't fix Victor Zambrano. Wait, who said he could fix Victor Zambrano? Rick Peterson is now with the Orioles. Yeah, the Orioles. He's been with the A's at some point, though, too, I think. Or something. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm Actually, well, this whole time I've been flipping through my notebook trying to find my Tyler J notes mm-hmm. when I saw him with Team USA. Uh, so when I saw him, he was 94 to 97 mm-hmm. with a 60 curveball and didn't throw a changeup. And then I saw him again later, and he didn't throw a curveball and had a 65 changeup. <laughs> right, and and I think that the the changeup we were we were looking at in those uh, in those or that I saw from the video that was a good changeup too. Yeah, he, and he was that. also oh yeah he had been sitting 93 97. Yeah, well good for Tyler J. But I don't understand. Uh, I guess I don't understand all that, but that's an interesting point that you make, and the fact that you that you have some uh, sort of begrudging acknowledgement of it from people in the game, who think, well, yeah, that's true. If he had if he had tried and failed, that would have been worse. You know, so I so maybe kudos to some combination of Tyler J, Tyler J's advisor, and Tyler J's coach, who are like, hey, Tyler J, you're gonna be drafted. Would you like to go? 11th or would you like to go whatever in the second round or whatever 
Well, yeah, I guess he hadn't started a game, and, you know, there's a possibility he could do a Dylan Tate where all of a sudden everything holds up 100% as good and almost better when he throws seven innings, and he could be, you know, going third overall. But likely that wouldn't happen. Some people thought that would happen with Dylan Tate just because of sort of his delivery and his athleticism and all that sort of stuff. With Tyler J, it was, you know, a little like, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, so, yeah, this, this is probably the best way to do it, just keep blowing the doors off of people and somebody's going to buy. What, uh uh, tell, talk to me about relievers, or so college relievers, or maybe even high school relievers, who are drafted um, under the uh, by a, by an organization um, working under the assumption that that guy will start. The only the one I mostly remember is David Bush. I think he was a college closer who became some a sometime starter in the major leagues. It also happened with Tyler Wagner with the Brewers out of Utah. Okay, where's Tyler Wagner these days? Are you he's on their prospect list. He okay, was in the Arizona Fall League. Okay. We might have seen him in the Fall League. Might have, yeah. He, he is kind of a funky deliverer. Remember we talked about him on one of the podcasts as having a funky delivery? Yeah. Because uh, I made the video. I think we embedded it on the episode page. Oh, we embedded it. Uh, maybe I was supposed to embed it and didn't. Does that that sound sounds like something you would do. Does that sound yeah. More <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. All right. Um, yeah, there's a handful of guys that have been like that. But, like, Dylan Tate would have been like that this year if he didn't start, which he <laughs> was very close to not starting this year. Um, there Is that was, true? Uh, the Saturday starter got hurt, like, two days before the opening start of the year, and then they fit, and they moved him in. And this was after everyone was berating the coach at UCSB on Twitter, saying, like, you're going to cost this kid millions of dollars. Your team is going to be worse. Why are you being so small-minded and having this, you know, generational talent or whatever uh, you know, in your bullpen where he's more likely to get hurt also? And then some guy, like, you know, rolls his ankle during agility drills and doesn't have a Saturday story. He's like, oh, this guy was going to start for us, and he hasn't stopped. Like, he's now the Friday guy because, of course, he's going to go number, you know, probably number two in the draft, so – and and the the uh, the thing that is attractive about Dylan Tate is uh he well first of all he throws hard right yeah yeah real hard real hard and he and he uh, maintains it yep uh I saw him up to ninety nine for Team USA and it sounds like that's been pretty pretty typical in longer outings so you know settle more like ninety two ninety four ninety five but you'll get sixes and sevens and eights and nines early. Okay, and uh, secondary stuff. It seems like uh, you saw you saw him with a 65 slider. Yeah, which is very. Strong. Some guys put a 70 on it. That sounds like what's happened this spring. Is that people thought it would be more, you know, 91 to 94, 55 or 60 slider, and it's been like 92, 96, 60, 65, maybe even 70 slider. And the changeup was around a 50 on Team USA. I saw him go three innings once with Team USA. And I think it's been 50 or 55. Some guys might put a 60 on if they think there's a little more in there. Wait, well, so what is a what is a 95 mile per hour fastball sitting? What is that? Uh, it's 70. 70. Oof. And what's the changeup? 50. At least, probably Oof. a little better. And what's the? I mean, the, the stuff lines up pretty favorably with Giolito, just as far as velocity, breaking ball, changeup. Uh, obviously, the size is different, uh, and the command's probably a little behind. But he also has never really started before, so we don't really know where it could go. Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. And he's got a lot of life on the fastball too. That's great. And what's the command like? It, it's different day to day. Sometimes it'll be like dominant, like it'll be that sort of fringy where the stuff's a seventy and you're facing college hitters and it's just good enough that it's around the zone and guys swing and miss. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, my phone just buzzed and said that the Eagles just signed Tim Tebow. I think we have to. I, 
We need to cancel the podcast and talk about Tim Tebow for the next 20 minutes, don't we? I don't think we have to follow that up, do we? I mean, the internet's literally imploding right now around us as we're doing this stupid podcast. Wait, why Why is the internet why, – why would that do that? Because Tim Tebow is going to be playing football this year. Wait, was he not playing football? No, he hadn't been in the NFL for like two straight seasons after he won a playoff game. He got like booted out of the whole league. Oh, really? Yeah. He's going to be leading Sports Center for the next uh, two months in a row. All right, well. You heard it here first. This is the analysis you people are looking for. All right. Although, of course, we're not going to hear it for another three days while you're editing it together. Because okay. of, of all the slurs. Finish your thought. Say something about Dylan Tate's command. Uh, yeah, so it was good enough that when you're blowing guys away and they're like off balance and don't know what to do, you can get it close enough to the strike zone that you can get a called strike here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other days it'll be like, oh, it wasn't great today. It was like 91, 94 and like, you know, 35, 40 command. Uh, that's kind of the bad day. So I would guess if I wrote him up now, it would be like present 40, future fringe, 45 plus, mm. uh, but very easily could turn into a 50 with okay. some adjustments. Well, it's, all, it's pretty uh, good job. Good job, Dylan Tate. That sounds good. Good job uh, by you. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, let's do uh, – God, I, I don't want to call them this, but let's do some quick hits. Ooh, wow. I say a name and you make a brief comment about it. Wait, do you want me to do hot takes on these quick yeah, yeah, Well, these are – all the takes are hot. <clears throat> yes, <laughs> hot takes served up hot. Uh, Phil Bickford, say something about him. Uh, <laughs> well, Phil Bickford, <laughs> is a, has, yeah. as at times appeared to be a great talent, but but he's also pitching against a J.C. competition at this point. But people have seen him on the Cape and with Fullerton. They've seen him against good hitters before. The problem is – his stuff has been inconsistent. People don't have a great feel for him as a human being. And he's also not facing good competition. And he sort of mysteriously left Fullerton to become eligible for this draft, which looks like a good move because it's a terrible draft. But there's just a lot of, like, question marks floating around. And some people are now bringing back up that they it never was fully explained publicly. But some people think that it, there was an arm thing is the reason that the Blue Jays didn't sign him out of high school. Mm-hmm. And so while he hasn't shown any signs that there's any arm trouble, people are you know always looking for stuff to bring up. And that's obviously a data point if that is what it was, which I've never had completely confirmed to me. But it sure is the suspicion when stuff, something like that happens. Um, so when you add up, we don't have a great for him as a human. He's a little inconsistent. We're not always sure where his head's at. We have a lot of FaceTime with him. There may have been an arm thing in the past. Now the stuff's backing up some. He's facing terrible competition. What do we do with this guy? It's If he's not projecting as like a you know mid-rotation starter or elite dominant closer, you're less inclined to want to take a chance on it, especially yeah. when there's other guys you know comparable around him. I yeah, think I'd put him 20 or something. I'm, yeah. So there's always going to be guys around that sort of guy that are similar talents. Okay. Uh, what was another name here? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, no, I didn't want to ask you about Brady Aiken, so I don't want to know about anything more about Brady Aiken. Yeah, I've said, I think I've said enough on him and Chris Bryant. What, why? Uh, oh, tell me about Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi, for those who don't know, is a center fielder for uh, Arkansas, Arkansas. Draft eligible sophomore. A draft eligible sophomore, yeah. And uh, I believe he leads all the NCAA in home runs, or at least he did a couple days ago. Yep, uh, he's basically Andrew Stevenson with a good swing. Right, and Andrew Stevenson should be noted is a center fielder at LSU. Saw uh, him yesterday. You did. did. Andrew Stevenson's faster, no? Uh, they're about the same. Mm. Uh, so Ben Attendee. I'd, I'd say they're both 60s. So Ben Attendee is interesting for that reason because he can play a position on the better end, uh, towards the better end of the defensive spectrum, 
And apparently there's some sort of power, some sort of game power in there if he's leading all the NCAA in, in home run. I don't think Arkansas has like a, a particularly – Band box. Yeah, right? It's not – I don't think that's that's the thing that happens there. No, I if I saw him last year. I'm actually I think I'm going to see him again in a couple of weeks when he plays at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I remember last year, it was you know fringe, maybe average raw power. He's got that sort of medium center field sort of frame, and I think he's just been able to tap into it a little more than usual. I don't think it's going to be anything more than you know 12, 15 homers, but it's always a good indicator of his hitting ability that he's able to both hit for average and power and good play discipline all in his uh, you know second year of college. So. Right, and then uh, I want to ask you just about a notable, <laughs> a notable for me omission, which is Chris Keck, third baseman, for uh, third baseman for uh, UCLA, senior third baseman, offensive. Wait, what, what do you want me to do? I don't know. What, put it, why isn't he on the list? No one brought up Chris Keck with you. Nobody did. Although Ron Shaw did bring him up to me in a comedic sense because he knows you love him. Oh, I just think he's having he's having a great season. He's not, you know, given very little time over his first three years at UCLA. Now given time, having one of the best offensive seasons in the Pac-12, which is a pretty competitive conference. You know, I asked somebody about him for you. And what was the response? Did the person have an actual cricket with him that he could? That he could. <laughs> there were tumbleweed out? in the background that I could hear. <laughs> uh, no, it was, you know, pretty good defender, above average arm, fits at third base, and uh, bats a little light. Yeah, bats a little light. Little, little little light in his bat. Little light in his bat. Yeah, yeah. That's right. To say nothing of the loafers, is that right? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't yeah. dare say that. No, you wouldn't dare say. That. Uh, and um, oh, I had a big idea. I had a, I had a big, big idea. Ooh, Marriott's saying I might win one million points. I gotta read this email. Okay, that's not that's not. We're we're, we're going down. We uh, people won't know this, but we also have to record the introduction to um, some interviews you've done. I believe get to is the word you were looking for. We have to get to that. Yeah. And uh, so we should we should probably do that. I, I maybe had another question. Oh yeah, here's here's a here's the thing. Generally speaking, what is your? I mean, you see the players, right? But you don't necessarily see all the players. But you have an idea of the the relative strength of the conferences. Oh yeah, so I I have two questions regarding this. <clears throat> if I go to d1baseball.com and I uh, look at the RPI. For college baseball currently, I find that Dallas Baptist is ranked first overall um, in uh, college baseball. I see that UCLA is after. UCLA is one of the best teams in the Pac-12. I see Texas A&M. I see Miami, Florida, Florida State, Louisville. These are all teams. Yeah, LSU's next step to that. So these are all teams that are generally recognized as being good. Dallas Baptist, which is a team in the Missouri Valley Conference, I think famous for producing or sort of producing Ben Zobrist. He went there for a year as a senior. Shout out to the MVC. Yeah, right. Shout out to the MVC because guess what? Number 10th by these rankings is Missouri State, and number 14th by these rankings is Bradley. And that's that's, that's three teams. Isn't that just a, a person? What's Bradley? Yeah, just a guy named Bradley. <laughs> yeah, yeah this guy. It's a lot of offense for yeah, one yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but that's that's three teams in the top 15, which uh, which is, seems uh, pretty strong for a conference that I think – might sometimes be overlooked for its baseball acumen and all of its sporting acumen. Probably all of its acumens, um, except for – Is that your dog? Yeah, she is not upset, not happy with what's going on down the, the street. Are we going to have to make a My Wife-style thing about your dog to make you no, uncomfortable? No. Uh, so let's start first. Uh, 
Is there what do you when you when you hear what is it, what does that mean to you that Dallas Baptist is ranked first overall by the RPI in college baseball and is there are three teams uh, the top fifteen from the Missouri Valley Conference? I will not profess to know a lot about the college baseball RPI, but I know a lot of people that do know about it and they all say it's stupid. <laughs> okay, right. So I mean the basic idea I, So was- I can't tell you why, I just know they all say it's stupid, so I'll trust them because I don't feel like investigating it. Uh, but yeah, Dallas Baptist is one of the more talented teams in the non-power conferences. Like they seem to have a couple draftable guys every year. They got a guy that might go in the second round this year that's up to 99 in the, in the bullpen. Was that Coke or Koch? I've, I've been told it's Coke, as okay. in a Coke right. brother. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, or if you want to go less evil, uh, we'll do Kenneth Coke, the poet. Well, I think you're now revealing a political bias. I'm not sure you want to go that direction. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm biased against people involved in politics, so yes. Oh, okay, it's so just evil because of politics. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, wealthy and funding politicians, I assume this person's evil. That's So that's, you'd be okay with saying the evil Barack Obama? That would be equally as, as fair to you? I didn't say that our president was evil. You did, though. <laughs> okay. Controversy. We're about to go past Tim Tebow on the Sports Center rundown. <laughs> the uh, – the, uh, all right. By the way, 4,400 uh, retweets for Adam Schefter for breaking the news. Uh, congratulations, Adam Schefter. Oh, uh, Shefty. It's, it's no Craig Krimble trade. I'll tell you that. <clears throat> so wait. So, so da- yeah, I saw Dallas, Dallas Baptist – um, right, yeah, and I guess what? So ben, I said Ben Zobers, but who else? Let's see, who else was in the Missouri, was on that team that was uh, notable that came across? Drew Turbin. Drew Turbin. Did you hear that name ever before? Uh, I have not, but it sounds like there's some Middle East based jokes I could make about that. Yeah, there are. Yeah, the um, so yeah, Drew Turbin is a senior second baseman for that team, draft eligible senior, I should add. <laughs> well, one of those draft eligible seniors. Yeah, and then uh, they have a. A left fielder, Justin Wall, also within the top ten. Uh, I would say Daniel Salter is the senior catcher. It's a little bit of attention. Okay. All right. Uh, and they got another guy in the bullpen, Joseph Shaw. Not terrible. Probably get drafted this year. How about and Chance the, Adams? Don't know him. I think Shaw and Coke are the only two guys I know on the team this year at Salters. Okay. Well, get to know this Drew Turbin, maybe. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll look into him. And you oh, also need to look into Paul. I don't know if it's DeYoung or DeJong. Yeah, so somebody brought him up in the comments. I thought it was just you under a pseudonym. Let's not address whether it was me or not. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What's your answer, big boy? I ain't got nothing. His name has not come up. Although to be fair, the uh, if you're a team and you really like a guy as like a performer that you can take like under slot in the sixth round, you're not volunteering his name to me, especially right. if I'm not bringing him up already. Right. Oh so yeah, I that's feel interesting. Like even, if he, even if he is that guy, you're not going to bring him up. So so it's just you think if if or if teams are talking to you, scouts are talking to you. They're more likely to bring up. Do you think they're more likely to bring up toolsy non-performers? Because that's They'll more bring obvious. up guys that I know I know already. Mm-hmm. Like there, are, for instance, in the like uh, I don't know, 15 day long process of me, you know, digging up names for this draft list. There were high school guys in the areas of people that I was talking to that I didn't mention to them, and they never said, hey, you should bring this guy up. And then I get the name later, and I go back to them, and I'm like, hey, you didn't bring this guy up. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 I forgot about that. And I was like, no, you didn't. You just didn't want to tell me about a guy I didn't know about because you thought if I didn't know about him, there's a chance that some other people didn't know about him. So you didn't want to, like, put him on blast. But then when I tell you, like, here's what he is, here's his name, here's the school he's committed to and high school and all that kind of thing, he's like, yeah, no, that's right. You yeah, you it. can't fool Kylie. Kylie McDaniel knows about pop-ups in rural urban towns. And I just got I just got a text back. This is getting a little name drop, even I'm not going to say a name. Okay. A scouting director Ooh. said, yes, our crash checker is going to go see him this week. 
Uh, I don't think he's going to go in the top three rounds, though. Okay. So, all right. There's your update. Okay, there it is. Hot, uh, good update. Let's let's end it there. Let's end it there, Kyle McDaniel. Ooh, hot hot take there. I think right. Yeah. No, I don't think I know what a hot take is. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, you. Hot I don't wings. Think you do. hot, hot wings, right there. There it is. Thank you, uh, thank you, Kyle McDaniel, for participating this week. Thank you. Uh, that has been Kyle McDaniel, the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. Carson Stoule. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you.